Well, once again, good morning on a Daylight Savings Day. A little chilly, a little rainy, uh, but our God is awesome, right? Okay, well, I find a stand. Why don't you guys turn to each other and say, my God is awesome. How about yours, you know? Hey, thank you. Can you take that? Beautiful. Okay, we're ready to open up our Bibles to the book of Luke, well, the <laughs> book of Ruth. All right, so what we've been trying to do in, uh, in these series that we've been uh, entitling Drawing Near to God is not only to draw near to God, but as we're going through the scriptures, to be able to see God like literally on every page that he is working, and then correspondingly to be able to see God working in the circumstances of our life, even when life hurts, to be able to see that we can draw near to God. And this week we're talking about our second installment, the second chapter of the book of Ruth, uh, which, which is, I'm simply entitling, you know, Surprising Kindness. And uh, we want to give a, a shout out and a thanks, as always, to uh, Jeff Hickman for putting together this series. It's great. It's deep. It's, uh, it's surprising how much you can get out of the scriptures, even books that uh, maybe are not the ones that, uh, that, that just draw your attention immediately. This is Women's Month. I hear we had some great Women's Days yesterday, okay? Particularly in the North, we'll hear a little bit about it. And also, I just have to compliment the church on a couple of things here at the very beginning. Because I look around, you know, it's, it's 9 o'clock, daylight savings time, a little, you know, you know, a little drab weather. But you guys are singing from your heart. And that's a real church. And that's a true church family. Those of you who sing well and those of you who, you know, not so great. But, you know, I mean, you're putting your heart into it. And then another thing, just on a practical basis, if you look in your newsletter, you know, this week, the contribution this week was almost $73,000. And the reason, I mean, our budget is, is $44,000 a week for all of the things we do here and around the world and around the southeast. But there's a special note in the newsletter that said some of our members uh, were not able to give for various reasons in the month of January and February, and they just made it up. And, and that's a church family. You know, that's everybody doing its part. It's all of us working together because the church, just like you, has, basically has a budget and plans to do certain things. But, you know, there are so many, so many, the vast majority of the men and women who are a part of North River really serve God with integrity. They love God. We're all in a journey. We're all working through trying to draw near to God. But there's genuine sincerity and a love for God. And we hope it will be a love that God will look into our hearts and say, we're loving him with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. Well, Women's Month, it actually uh, sort of started out last week on Ruth chapter one as we talked about detours and crashes and those kind of things and loving God, drawing near to God, seeing God there even, you know, when it hurts. On Wednesday night, the ladies had a great session here in the auditorium. Some of us snuck over at the end after it was over, and there was a buzz. I mean, there was some buzz going on, and you guys talked about Hannah and having a fierce heart. Now, as it turns out, 
the book of uh, book of First Samuel, where we read about Hannah in chapter one, is just the very next chapter after Ruth. You know, chapter four. It just flows along, and there are these great powerful women of God throughout the scriptures that sort of defy the ancient, you know, world of just putting, putting women on the back burner, you know, of life. God uses women in such a great way in his kingdom, you know, and, and, and works through the cultural setting, you know, that they're in. But that was inspiring. So I went back and I read, you know, 1 Samuel, the first few chapters as well, and, and saw about Hannah's heart and fierce heartedness and also about parenting. Well, there's some stuff there in chapters one, two, and three about parenting and about family life that really is, is important to take note of. But back to the book of Ruth and a little bit, you know, women's one. I got to admit to you that the book of Ruth is, is, is not in my pantheon of favorite books in the Bible. It just hasn't been there, okay? And I have to make it by some way of confession. It's some superficiality in me to not dig into it that well over the years. I viewed it as a women's book, okay? As a women's month book. And you can have it, sisters, okay? It's four chapters. It's a little weird, honestly. It's got some embarrassing moments in it. And it just seemed to me like kind of tucked in there as a transitional, you know, sort of piece. And it was a nice story and all of that, but I like action, I like sports, I like competition. Get me over there into Judges, you know, or into Joshua. Samuel's not bad either, I mean, especially when you get in David and Goliath. I mean, that's where I go. But man, have you been paying attention to the book of Ruth? Because God is just screaming out at it at us. I'm there. I'm putting things together for you. Whether it's going great right now or not so great, I'm there, and you can rely on me, and you can trust. You know, you can trust me. And then there's this word that appears three times in Ruth, but uh, we've been introduced to it over the last few months in the Old Testament. We've been digging into this word Hesed which means, well, you can't translate it in, in English. We'll take a shot at it by saying surprising kindness, you know, or mercy, or grace. But it's like one of those New Testament words, agape, where you can't really translate it with one word. Just translating the word agape in the Greek in the New Testament for love, it, it's, just, it's just not enough. It's so much deeper. It's so much richer, you know, than, uh, you know, than that. So I've been reading, and believe it or not, I've even looked in some women's books. How about that, ladies? You know, give me at least a, you know, pat on the, pat on the back or something, okay? Anybody familiar with Carolyn James? She's a very good Christian writer who, you know, targets a lot of her writings to meet the needs of, of women who are trying to live the Christian life. She wrote this great book that my wife discovered a few years ago, and she loves it, The, uh, the Lost Women of the Bible. And, uh, and, and, but, but she also has a commentary on, on Ruth that's, that's a very powerful thing. And one of the things that makes it, uh, I, I think, powerful is uh, just what was going on in her life when, uh, when she was trying to draw near to God, even when life hurt, and she was doing her research into the book of Ruth because as she was working on chapter 1, you have to go into the background, and we talked a little bit about it last week. Jeff did, okay? This is, this is, this is a rough story. This is some tough things that are going on right now. Life is really bleak for this lady, Naomi, and her, uh, her daughter-in-law, 
you know, roof. It is so bad. I mean, there are deaths all over the family, her husband and uh, uh, her sons, and uh, there's, uh, it, 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 there's just no hope for them. They have no land. They, they need food, they need money, they need protection, and they basically decide, hey, we're just going to have to, to just start walking, okay, and try to get back somewhere else. I don't know how your life is this morning, whether it's good, solid, okay, lousy, bleak. It's bleak in chapter one, right? And you just got, you got to understand because, you know, where you see this great grace of God and the power of the, the love of God is when you realize your own circumstance. But this is really bleak. This is like the job market is so bad. Your prospects are so horrible here in Atlanta. You decide to move to Juarez, Mexico because you're looking for the promised land. It's like that bad. It's rough. And God shows surprising kindness, first of all, for Ruth with Naomi, which we talked about, and then how he's providing for uh, this bleak situation, these two women who don't have many prospects at all, certainly in the ancient world. And so as Carolyn James was doing her research on this on chapter one, she got a call actually in the middle of the night. It, uh, it startled her, and it was a, it was a phone call from, uh, from uh, her husband's uh, mother. And uh, what had happened, her mother said that, uh, you know, her, uh, you know, uh, Carolyn's husband's sister's husband, okay, brother-in-law, had been uh, on a mountain hike with a couple of other experienced climbers. They were actually climbing Mount Hood. And uh, as they were up there, a fierce storm, winter storm came in. And uh, it, it, it can be very frightening, as you guys know. And they got, they got trapped in this cave, in this snow cave. And so they stayed there. They were experienced climbers, so people thought things would, you know, would be okay. But they, uh, they're, they're, a rescue absolutely needed to take place. And so, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the, uh, Carolyn's husband jumped on a plane, flew out to Oregon, and then this was, this was a national story. I don't know if you guys any, paid attention to this. It was 2006. It was on CNN. It was on major news networks. And they, they had this huge rescue operation. And what happened, the Christian community really got strong behind this. You know, and Carolyn, you know, was pretty well known in that community. And, you know, Christians started praying. People, believers in God, started praying. And they started flooding there. There were, there were, there were hundreds of rescuers that were there. And... Um, uh, again, that uh, Carolyn's husband went on CNN and, and talked about the confidence that he and Carolyn and the family had with all of these prayers and with all of this, uh, all of this uh, attention, you know, certainly it was going to have a happy ending. Things turned a little bit rough and uh, another blizzard, you know, came in and this uh, rescue operation turned into a recovery operation. And uh, this, uh, this man died. And uh, Carolyn writes about this in, uh, y- you know, you know, in her book, that as she was studying the book of, uh, of Ruth and about this idea of kindness and hesed, she wrote that I asked the question, has God's hesed run out for me? You can feel that way sometimes, can't you? It, are my best days behind me? 
Are things ever going to get any better? There can be sort of a fatalism. Even if you're a believer, you know, where you can go, well, you know, this is just my lot in life. This is all it's going to be. It's, you know, I just have to kind of get, you know, get used to it. But, you know, we know how, how Naomi felt about it. She just said, don't even call me Naomi, just call me bitter. You know, because, you know, for whatever reason, in God's providence and will, he has made my life bitter where it used to be, be great. This just doesn't happen in the Bible. This happens, you know, in, you know, our own lives. And what you're going to see in, throughout the book of, of Ruth in these next three chapters is that, that God actually is working and there is a plan and it looks lousy, okay? But there, he, he's actually put some things in, in motion hundreds of years before or decades before they're going to help protect you know, Ruth, and are going to help protect Naomi. It's all about his, uh, his surprising, you know, kindness. Now, what, what uh, chapter 2 starts off, almost, it, this would almost be like a narrative where you'd have a voiceover in a movie or like where it has sometimes a location scripted out. And, and this, is, this is kind of an opening statement here on chapter 2, and it's a pretty simple one. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. We'll remember that was Elimelech who died there in, in Moab. A man of standing. So he had some character. He had some wealth. He had some standing, you know, among his people from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. That's how the stage is set. And then things are bad. These women have no prospects. But, but Ruth says, you know, Naomi, I'm just going to go on out to the fields, okay, and pick up some leftover grain and hope I, you know, catch a break. Hope I can get some favor. She's going out for a handout. You ever been in such a a bad shape you actually just got to go out and, and, you know, as, as good a way as you can beg and ask for help? That's hard to do, isn't it? Anybody ever had to go on unemployment? you know, and get an unemployment check. I had to once for three months of my life. I was just like so embarrassed even going into the parking lot of the place, okay? And just feeling like I gotta, you know, I gotta ask somebody, you know, for help. That's hard to do, but one of the things that happens, which is so important when life is rough, you know, for you, is that, that Ruth says, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna get up and do something. Now, ultimately, being able to, 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 to find God's closeness and kindness and power in, in your life, you, you got to do more than change your diet, get a little bit more sleep, get some exercise, etc. take some medication. It's got to go deeper than that in a, a genuine relationship with God. But part of that, i got to get up and do something, like come to church or come to midweek, open up my Bible, at least get up and do something. And then once we set these things in motion, of course, God had set something in motion quite a long time ago. Now, maybe Ruth knows this, although she spent her whole life, obviously, in Moab and not a part of God's people. But maybe there was enough scripture with Naomi and Elimelech for for a time. Maybe they ran across Leviticus chapter 19. However that goes, God, many years before, 
had taken care of situations like Ruth and Naomi. Because here in Leviticus, it tells us, here's the command to people like Boaz who have, you know, you know uh, grain, who have provisions, who have land that's producing something. He said, when you reap a harvest, uh, uh, don't reap your field right up to the edge, neither shall you gather gleanings after your harvest. This, this would be like saying, you know, when you get your paycheck, okay, don't spend it all. Put a little bit aside for other people who need it. And here he goes a little bit deeper into the why a little bit later on in Leviticus chapter 23 where he says, okay, when you reap and you don't go to the edge of your land and you don't gather up your gleanings, you will leave them for the poor and for the foreigner or sojourner because I'm your God. So it was set up in God's people. That'd be like us Christians that we take care of the needy. We take care of the poor, and especially do we do it in our clan. And you'll notice it said that Boaz was of the clan of Abimelech, which is the basic unit of society, you know, functioning society there within the larger, you know, community of God's, of God's people. And so it's, it was built in to take care of this situation years before as Ruth goes out looking for a handout, it's built into the, 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 the process of how God's people do things. Okay, you leave a little bit for people who need. There are like a lot of lessons in here. Okay, as we dig in and we try to mature as a church and have a greater concern for the poor, a greater concern for the needy, a greater concern for the orphan, a greater concern for those that don't, you know, have the kind of life, you know, that we do. But this is just, this is just built in. And so, uh, you know, what happens next? Naomi, you know, uh, said to her, go ahead, daughter. And she went out and she entered the field and began to glean, the Bible, you know, the Bible says, behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to who? Boaz, as it turns out, who ends up being her relative, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, okay, right at that moment, Boaz comes into the scene. He arrives from Bethlehem. He's been a distance away, and he greets the harvesters. The Lord be with you. Now, this is a pretty interesting, you know, you know point here. You know, as it turned out. What's our phrase for that? Ah, as luck would have it. Coincidentally, the literal translation is chance, chance, you know, here, you know, in the Hebrew. Just as it turned out, you know, we're in Boza as his field, and he shows up right at that, you know, at that time. I, uh, w- one of our, uh, our, I'm going to double back a couple of months to one of our uh, Christmas traditions in our house. It's about Christmas time, and I can tell you what Kelly is going to want to watch. A station called, is it Lifetime? Lifeline, Lifetime, whatever. Okay? I mean, that's excruciating for some guys, okay? And, And I'm wanting to watch, I mean, seriously, I'm wanting to watch like anything, you know, American Ninja Warriors. I mean, it doesn't matter, okay? You know, all that. But she loves, she, she loves these movies. They're all exactly the same. They're so sappy. It starts out with some, 
woman in great need or lonely or lost or in finance, you know, and then at just the right time, you know, all these things start coming together. And about the time that I'm about to go, come on, that is ridiculous. You look over and you see your dear wife and she either has this beautiful radiant smile <laughs> on her face or mist in her eye. And I'm like going, I mean, just surrender. I just <laughs> surrender. Nothing, nothing happens that way. But it does. It does. As it turned out, the king, and when Esther had to, to approach the king on Mordecai's behalf, was reading right before, you know, the next day, the annals of their history, and just happened to read about how Mordecai had, had, had failed an assassination attempt on the king. It just so happened he was reading that. It just so happened that Philip was, happened along the Gaza Road as the Ethiopian was coming, you know, as it turned out. As it turned out, my, my future roommate, in, uh, when I went to college as a freshman, ended up, a guy I knew in high school, played a little basketball with him, you know, in junior high. You know, he became a disciple and became a New Testament Christian, was baptized the summer before I showed up. And when I showed up, we had a soul talk in my room at 10 o'clock on Thursday night, a Bible study, as it turned out. As it turned out, the crazy girl that was sharing with Kelly in her freshman year, you know, in her dorms, ended up pledging the same sorority, Kappa Delta, that Kelly did and would not let her alone until she would come to church. As it turned out, as it turned out, you're here this morning. As it turned out, there's some as it turns out that are going to happen this week that God has set up and God has prepared. I still remember when we, we moved back from, uh, you know, California, you know, to Boston. Uh, Kelly had a little thing on her arm and she went into a doctor, a very good doctor, you know, there in, uh, in Orange County, California. And the doctor said, oh, it's really nothing. Okay. And as it turned out, we decided a month later to move to Boston to get some more training, to get some more discipling and help in our marriage. And then as it turned out, uh, there was a sister there who looked at her arm and said, I don't like the way that looks, and made her go to this, 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 grumpy, this grumpy surgeon of the female persuasion, okay, who was just like rough. And she just went after her and said, we're going to take that off. That's melanoma. It ended up being stage three melanoma. And, you know, as it turned out, God made provision, you know, for her. She could be gone. As it turned out, I put on an old contact lens I didn't realize that I had. You know, you know in January, drove up the Myrtle Beach to do a, a, a conference up there with Kelly. It stuck on my eye, a hard contact lens. I have keratoconus, got to wear hard contact lenses. You couldn't get it off for two days. Ended up having an acantha amoeba in there, and the doctor told me later it wasn't one, it was hundreds of them, 
Okay, but as it turned out, the, you, you, my, you know, my physician, my eye doctor said, I know this guy, he's, uh, I think you need to go over there. He calls him up and gets me over there. He's one mile away and has the only, you know, machine in five, within five states that can detect this. And they get it early. And so I'm pumping pool cleaner in my eye every hour for an hour, you know, for about a month. But it's getting better. And he walked me out last week and he said, you know, these usually end up in a corneal transplant, but I think you got it, Tom, you know, you know. As it turned out, as it, as it turned out, you got stuff like that in your life, don't you? Have you forgotten? Do you think it's, you think it's over now? Is there a God? Is there a God beyond the azure blue? Does he care a lick about you and me? Is he a God of grace? Is he a God of kindness? Or is he just trying to make us miserable here by making us go to church and be nice to everybody? You know, what is up? Is there a plan in all of this that he has? You know, this is, this is, the, amazing, this is the amazing thing. You know, if I'm going to go on, the book of Ruth is so much more than a love story. So much more. It's about God setting things up. And loving us and caring about us. And don't you dare just go, yeah, well, that was Ruth, but what about me? Wait your turn. It's already happened, and it will. If you get up and do something, and then just rely on God and rely on this community we, you know, we, we have around us. Just then, Boaz arrived from, and, and, and he says, the Lord be with you. Now, I'm just doing, again, with these 25-minute sermons, you got to go fast. We put the scriptures on the screen, but you've got your app. you got your device. You've got your Bible. Go home and do what I did the last, last week. Dig into this stuff and read it and grab it for yourself. You know, but, uh, he, he, and he says to the harvesters, the Lord be with you. And they say, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz, you know, asks the overseers, who does that young woman belong to now there are various ways different commentators view that some people think lord bless you honey you know check this out you know and that maybe he's checking this younger woman out you know i don't really go in that direction as much but it's curious okay we got this new young woman there who is that Okay, and they let, her, they let him know. He said, well, she's a Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi and said, please let me glean the sheaves behind the harvesters. And she came in the field, and she's remained here from morning until now, except for a short rest. So she is working hard. She is not rolling around in self-pity. She is busting it, okay, and doing what she can. You know, there, and it catches the eye of the harvesters and the workers, and it catches Boaz. And as you know, as you go on and read, we'll probably see this up on the screen, uh, Boaz had heard about this young woman, this radical step to leave her whole country behind and attach herself to this older woman with no prospects at all, no food, no land, no prospects. And that kind of loyalty and that kind of devotion, that kind of hesed, surprising kindness that, that Ruth had shown Naomi and Boaz had heard about this. A lot of people had. And it made him, you know, it, it made him catch, you know, it made him... Uh, uh, you know, pay attention. Okay. I'm going to tr keep trying. Okay. Boaz says to, to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go away and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting, following along after the women. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. Now, why do you think Boaz would tell the men not to lay a hand on her? 
Because men are men, and they will hit on women, and they will try to take advantage, you know, of them, even sometimes in Christian circles. And he says, you guys, back off. Okay, leave this woman alone. I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. And when you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. This alone is crazy. Israelite men filling up water jars for a foreign woman? It never happens. The women serve the men. And particularly these people that are foreigners in service, they serve the men. This, this is completely turning things upside down. It gets even, you know, you're going to see, the, the, you're gonna see the responses. At this, Ruth, I mean, she notices, what? It blows her away. She gets down, you know, you know and bows down before Boaz. And she says, how have I found such favor in your eyes? I mean, I'm a foreigner. I'm a woman. I have no prospects, and you're going way over the second mile. Hey, you haven't seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. Wait till you get to chapter 3. But the rest of chapter 2 is not bad either. Boaz replied, I've been told all about. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother in your homeland, and you came to live with the people you did not know. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded. Hey, do you think the things, the, the acts of kindness and love and loyalty and commitment that you offer to God and other Christians around you and the people who live around you, that it's completely unnoticed? Do you realize people notice? Do you realize God notices? Yeah, it tells us not to let our right hand know what our left hand is doing. We don't do it for show. But it is noticed. The way you live at work, in your neighborhood, on an elevator, in a grocery store. You know, the, the, the women who come to our women's days and events, they, they notice, you know, what we're doing. And what a beautiful thing that Boaz says. And what a beautiful picture of God's grace, God's kindness, the hesed of God. He says, may the Lord repay you for what you've done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That's more than beautiful. That's just true, right? We're going to have communion in a minute. And you're going to take a little piece of bread. You're going to take a little juice. That, yeah, you know, I mean, to the outside world or the uninitiated, what is that? Okay, but it's a very powerful thing that's going on. That basically is saying, we have come undeservedly. We're just foreigners. We don't deserve this. Don't you even think about this when you pray? What right do I have to talk to God of the universe? It's crazy. You know, I have no standing, you know, in this, and yet I'm going to take this communion, which represents the blood and the body of Jesus, and that I've come for shelter to God and to Jesus and for his grace and for his help in my life. That's what we've all done, you know, in the church. It, uh, you know, it, it, it gets even, I got to go faster here, but it gets even better. Boaz basically says, come over here, have some bread. And he says, come on over and have dinner with us. That's crazy. 
That is crazy, being invited to the Lord, quote, unquote, table. It's crazy. That doesn't happen. And then she sat down with who? The harvesters. Study it out. Who are the harvesters? These are the top guys in Boaz's, you know, operation. The top guys, they stay together. They harvest together. They sleep together. They kind of party together, you know, during the time of harvest, okay? And then, hey, as it turned out, it's harvest time when Naomi and Ruth come to town. As it turns out, it's Boaz Field. As it turns out, just then, you know, he shows up. And then she's invited to sit down at the table, and he offered her some roasted grain, okay? Cooked up a little Panera bread for her. And she ate all she wanted, and she had some left over. As she got up, Boaz, this is just getting extravagant grace at this point like what we've all received from Christ. He says, at this point, he gave orders to the men. Okay, keep your hands off of her, but more. Let her gather among the sheaves. Don't reprimand her. Even pull out some of the stalks, not just the little things. Pull some out and kind of drop them there so she can get them from your bundles and leave them for them to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening and she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an epith. Anybody know what an epith is? I'm going to tell you. It's uh, a half to two-thirds of a bushel. How much does that weigh? That's what bushels weigh. A bushel of wheat, 60 pounds. This woman gathers up 30 to 50 pounds, straps it on her back, and starts chugging on back home to go see Naomi. Is this extravagant? This is enough food easily to take care of you for, you know, for a week or two. It's just, uh, I mean, it's just amazing what, you know, what is happening. This does not go unnoticed by, by Naomi. She got back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she'd gathered. And when she brought it out and gave it to her, what was left over, she had eaten enough. Now, she also brought some Panera bread back home. Okay, not just the, not just the grain, but also the cooked stuff. Okay. And her mother-in-law, of course, said, where did you glean today? Whoa, where have you been? And she, so, so, so Naomi's blown away. Wow, God provided, but that's not all. And then, where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And Ruth told her mother about the one at whose place she had been working, and the name of the man I worked with today was Boaz. Naomi probably falls down. Ah! That's our kinsman redeemer. We'll get to that, Jeff. We'll get to that next week, okay? Because God had already also put in Leviticus a provision to take care of this. Naomi is absolutely blown away as well. The Lord bless him, Naomi said. He has not stopped showing hesed, surprising kindness. To the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian, our kinsmen, redeemers. It's all going to come together. It's going to end up, you know, with the lineage of Jesus. We won't get too far ahead of ourselves. So Ruth, we're going to close out here. So Ruth, if you're following your Bible, stayed close to the women of Boaz. Until the barley and the wheat harvest had finished. And she lived with her mother-in-law. She was wise, wasn't she? I'd like to say something to uh, all the ladies here. Hope you have a wonderful Women's Month. It's already in a great 
start. Stay close to the women of North River. Stay really close. Find the shelter, the provision, the future that God has for you. As we invite, if you're a guest here, you're visiting, maybe you come to some of our activities, stay close to the women of North River and see what God can do immeasurably more than we can dare to ask or imagine, not because of us, we're foreigners, but because of his surpassing kindness. Okay, before we take communion, takeaways, God is awesome, he's sovereign, and he's working in my life and your life. Amen? Whether we feel it, see it, whatever, he's doing it, and he's setting up stuff, you know, for our future. And then secondly, our undeservedness is only surpassed by his extravagant grace. Revel in it, celebrate it, marinate in it, be grateful for it. You know, even as it's hard to emotionally grasp from time to time and and stay close, don't stray. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, what, what can we say as we see the way that you've worked through the years, thousands of years, for our benefit, and the way you've worked in our life. And we want to thank you for your, your surprising kindness for us. And as we take communion, Lord, help us to never outlive our love for you. In Jesus' name.